This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. For the Denver Broncos, Sandy, the offseason obviously has uh, been momentous. All sorts of news going about. And while the ability to free up salary cap might be the next thing on the docket for the Denver Broncos as they await the NFL draft and the first couple rounds of the NFL draft to take part, we have an opportunity to talk about the offseason with our friend from CBS News Colorado, Romy Bean, the sports anchor there. Had a chance to talk to Romy uh, about this yet. We haven't had our opportunity. Reigning, by the way, Colorado Sportscaster of the Year. So always delighted to have Romy on the program. Thanks for, for joining us, Romy. Hey guys, it's so happy to I'm, it's so happy. I'm so happy to be talking to you guys again. It's been too long. Yeah, as, as, Sandy, as Sandy said before when we started the show about a week ago, he just argued, made this you know argument that we were rudely interrupted six months ago, and we're yeah. just picking up where we left off. <laughs> yeah, just a short sabbatical, but yes, thank goodness it's right. over. <laughs> the uh, this off season obviously has been huge for the Broncos, and I, I don't even know where to start uh, with you, but I guess let's take a look at the addition of. Sean Payton and the news, of course, that uh, Russell Wilson has undergone uh, a pr- uh, underwent a procedure in the offseason arthroscopic surgery. surgery. We know he's focusing on losing weight. We've seen what the the Broncos have added in free agency. If you were to look at this team today, since Sean Payton's been hired, what do all these moves tell you? Well, all of these moves tell me that the Broncos. Well, I think it's twofold. One and I, I don't think this is a surprise to anybody, but they were in a severely, severely deep hole, and Sean Payton coming in is one of those things, you could almost compare it to Deion Sanders, but in a very different way, in the sense of, if there's anybody that can turn this team around, it's a guy like Sean Payton. It's a guy who's got the experience, who knows exactly what he wants to do, and he's taking no prisoners along the way. And as much as Nathaniel Hackett was a nice guy. We all know what a disaster it was and what this team desperately needs, top to bottom, organizationally, is, is structure um, and stability. And that comes from ownership, too. And I think Greg Penner and Sean Payton are kind of of that same mindset of you come in and you say, okay, okay we got we to gotta strip this thing and fix it. And the money that this ownership has, has been is tremendous for getting the Broncos back back into contention, back into just being relevant, back into no longer being not just bad, but bad and boring and a big hot mess. Um, And all of these things really show that Sean Payton has come in and said, I'm the boss, we're doing it my way, my way or the highway. And frankly, with what we've dealt with the last kind of six, seven years, guys, I I think this was really the only option. This is the only way the Broncos were going to get their heads above water. Um, I think it could be a rude awakening for a lot of guys in that locker room. But it's all, it's all very necessary, and it plays right into Russell Wilson um, as well. You know, I think Russell Wilson came in last year, and the way I kind of look at it is Russell Wilson desperately wanted to be Peyton Manning, right? This is my offense. Give me the whole playbook. Let me run the show. Unfortunately, Russell Wilson's not that guy. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think it's very clear that Russell Wilson is one of those players, too, that needs a lot of structure. He needs a coach that puts him a little bit more in a box. And Sean Payton, again, is, has the caliber and, and the ilk and the success behind him to do that. So that's kind of how I look at it all going now. There's, there's one guy controlling the ship, and it's fall in line or, or get out. Because at the end of the day, too, the other part of that is, with bringing in these O-line, bringing in these moves, I think Sean Payton is still very much 
I wouldn't say he's sold on Russell Wilson by any means. I think he's going to do everything he can to make him successful, but Russell Wilson in his own way is now entering an audition of his own if he's going to be here during the Sean Payton era or not. Jarrett Stidham is uh, not necessarily a household name, but to some it was surprising that he left the Raiders because he had been drafted by New England when Josh McDaniels was the offensive coordinator there. Stidham replaced Eric Carr late last season and had one particularly good game against a terrific defensive team, the San Francisco 49ers. And it was surprising to some that the Broncos got him for two years and $10 million, $5 million guaranteed, basically a one-year deal for $5 million. And you would have thought, especially moving inside the division, that the Raiders would have been able to match that. Uh, You touched on the point uh, that uh, Peyton may not be entirely sold on Russell Wilson. Uh, What do you think about the import or the meaning of that particular signing, given that it doesn't necessarily represent an immediate threat to Russell Wilson, but conceivably, if things don't go much better during the season. Stidham is there, and as recently as New Year's Day 2023, he started a game in the National Football League. Yeah, you know, Sandy, I think it's I think it's really interesting. When they first signed Jared Stidham, my first thought was like, oh, this is not really... Not, he's not bringing coming in as an immediate threat, which you just said, to Russell Wilson. I don't think they've brought him in as competition right. uh, for Russell Wilson by any means. But I do think he is a guy that, on one hand, if if Wilson has another awful season, which it's conceivably hard to think how it could even have as bad of a season, just by the way Peyton's going to run this offense. But if he does, I think Stidham's there. He can be a good waiting-in-the-wings kind of a guy. To me right now, it doesn't really strike me as in any way being kind of the future or anything like that, but a good backup, a solid backup. And... When I look at Sean Payton, I think he has some sort of long-term plan cooked up, and maybe it's getting a guy in the draft next year or whatever that might be, and, and Stidham is a little bit of a stopgap or this, that, or the other. I think he could end up playing a role. I don't, again, see him as being any sort of direct competition for Russell Wilson, but a guy that could certainly step in if need be and has is a little bit more proven than, than a Brett Rippon, right? And so, and a guy that maybe is a little plan for him, down the road if if Sean Payton has his eye on someone in college and Stidham can kind of be a little bit of a stopgap. I think all of those things are very much an option when you look at Jarrett Stidham. And why would he come play for Sean Payton? He seems very hell-bent on that was a huge reason he came here. What did Sean Payton say? It was probably more than just, yeah, we just want you here as a backup, right? Maybe it is. There's some sort of a potential for you to have a role here, depending on how things unfold. We're talking to Romy Bean from CBS Colorado. We make sure you follow her at Romy underscore Bean on Twitter. And, and Romy, all of this leads to, as you pointed out, with the acquisitions here, Sean Payton appears to be running his offense, which means two back sets, two tight end sets, heavy power run formations, the and basically the opportunity for the quarterback to take the occasional deep shot down the field. In Wilson's case, he loves taking the deep shots down the field. But I think you hit it on the head. This is kind of a tryout, make-or-break year for Russell Wilson with Sean Payton. 
But the idea that Wilson may not like it, I think, is based on what we saw in Seattle. We know that when you're talking for years about his no trade, when Sean Payton was on New Orleans, that team wasn't on his list of no trades. So presumably, Wilson for years has been amenable to being coached with Sean Payton and knows what kind of offense he's running. Is the idea that maybe Wilson won't like this because it's not let Russ cook a little overblown? Yeah, you know what? I I think absolutely. And and the truth is, at the simplest level, you look at you know Drew Brees, and you know that Russell Wilson has talked many times, right, about how much you know he liked their relationship and what he's done for Drew Brees. And I mean, Russell Wilson would have to be an idiot to not look at that and say, "Wow, he could probably do something right for me and something great for me and my Hall of Fame career and this, that, or the other." And so. I think a lot of quarterbacks really would be amenable to, to playing in that situation. But it is one of those things at the end of the day, too, where Sean Payton's offense, they're definitely gearing up to play bully ball here, which I'm all for. Um, you know, and, and just get gritty in the trenches and, and a lot of, well, you know, little even screen passes to the running back, tight ends. But it's going to have opportunity to let Russ cook here and there, here and there. Um, and, and I think Russell Wilson is now – coming into this, well, with a little or a lot of wounded pride where while he might never admit it, maybe he's rethinking what Let Russ Cook looks like. Because Let Russ Cook was a giant hot mess, and in so many ways, if that were to continue, would completely tarnish his career. Uh, so perhaps a humbling year, right, with, with Russell Wilson, where he now sees this as an opportunity to get his career back on track. And a guy like Sean Payton, is going to give Russell Wilson opportunities to show his skill set and in, in different ways. But at the same time, he's going to do it in a very controlled way. And so I think there's going to be times where it looks like Russ is really cooking, right? But that's because it's the position that Sean Payton is going to put him in. And I've got to think Russell Wilson realized that after last year, that, you know, sometimes it's not going to be the sexiest. Sometimes it is going to be a lot of running the ball. You know what? Maybe he'll get to run a little more, a little more QB sneaks. Um, but it's going to open up the door to let him cook here and there. But I think the whole concept of let Russ cook, first of all, I'm so over it. And hopefully he's rethought what that looks like. If not, I think Sean Payton's probably retold him. This is what that looks like, friend. Yes, and he did the one thing that I think all three of us agreed he had to do. And we speak, of course, of Sean Payton in his introductory press conference, making it very clear that uh, Russell Wilson would not have the run of the building uh, along with his entourage that uh, they all had last year when they were ensconced on the second floor uh, at least every Tuesday, a meeting independent of the coaches with players on, on a weekly basis. We've been talking for about 10 minutes, Romy, and we have talked about Peyton, first name Sean. The words or the name George Peyton has not crossed anyone's lips so far in this conversation. I have read many accounts, uh, analysis pieces on how the Bronco roster is being constructed with nary a mention of George Payton either. You spoke of relevance earlier. Is general manager George Payton relevant to the current Bronco proceedings? You know, this is such an interesting topic because I happen to think that George Payton is a really, really smart football mind, and I think he is an asset. Uh, to this team. I think that I still think that there's a 
decent possibility that in a year or two, Sean Payton says, hey, I want to bring in my guy. Um, and, and that means the end of, of George Payton because Sean Payton is a bit of the Mike Shanahan, Bill Belichick type of guy that kind of likes to run the whole show. The GM has much less responsibility, sure. right, I would say. Let's, let's, let's put it that way. But the way I kind of look at it, and this might be an unpopular opinion, but I think when you go back to even, you know, two years ago when George Payton was brought in, I mean, he was given, almost like Russell Wilson last year, the the keys to the car, the keys to the mansion. No question. And and it was outrageous. A GM shouldn't have had as much power as he had, and part of that was because there was no ownership in flux, right? And and Greg Penner came in here, and he took some power away, and I don't think any of that's a bad thing. I think George Payton was come, came in, and he was given too much control. Um, and, and too much power. Russell Wilson came in. He was given way too much control. I mean, all of that was outrageous and too much power. So it feels like the balance of power is starting to even out a bit more normalized, a bit more what a successful football organization looks like, where I do think George Payton is a big piece. But let's be honest, when you go organization, well, with the exception of like Brett Beach, everyone's talking about him all day long, but a lot of organizations, you're not sitting there talking about the GM as much as we were talking about George Payton two years ago and even last year, I think he just had, he should have a big role, but it was too big of a role. And so I do feel like something positive that ownership has done is came in and really restructured and reorganized who has kind of what power. And at least right now, I feel like that is going to benefit this team ever, but there's way more checks and balances than there was the past few years. And there simply has to be because we've seen how awful it gets when people have this unchecked power. I want to jump in for one more question here because you raised the subject right away during our conversation today. As we sit here on the 23rd day of March, 2023, isn't Deion Sanders at Colorado a bigger story than anything going on with the Broncos, including Sean Payton? And I ask that question because on this very day we speak, a feature, long-form feature on ESPN.com, done by not one reporter but two reporters on the first 100 days of Deion Sanders' reign in Boulder. I never thought I'd live to see the day that I'd say this, but is Colorado a bigger football story than the Broncos as we speak in the early days of spring. 100%. And I, like you said, <laughs> never thought in my entire life that would even be a discussion, but it is a, it is absolutely a fact right now. I mean, and it comes down to as simple as the only spring game in all of college football that is on ESPN's main That's station right. is CU. That's right. Georgia, Not Georgia. The defending Not Georgia. national champions no. are on ESPN2. I mean, right. it is absolutely Insane. Insane. I mean, you go back to December when uh, Prime had his introductory press conference. It was a Bronco Sunday. There was never anything in the history of Sundays that would make us split our coverage over um, a Broncos game, no matter how bad the Broncos game. But that, everybody went up to see you. We split our coverage that day. That's the first Broncos Sunday with our 30-minute postgame show that we've ever done something that's not Broncos in a Sunday night football season postgame show. I mean, Deion Sanders is the prime effect is the real deal. It is, 
And it, I mean, and it's unbelievable. It is. It's. I still say this, and I say this to Eric Christensen, who's uh, my my manager and a big Buffs fan. We say it all the time. Like, I can't believe we're actually living in this space. Like, I keep waiting to wake up and, and think it's over, right, guys? This is it's unbelievable, but but it's remarkable. I do think it's going to be, you know, short two three years something. So I'm just kind of enjoying the ride. I said, let's enjoy it while it lasts. She is Romy Bean. Make sure you check her out on Twitter, Romy underscore Bean, for the latest at CBS News Colorado, where she is the anchor for sports there. And as I pointed out, the uh, defending, reigning 22 Colorado Sports Broadcaster of the Year. Romy, uh, thanks so much. It was terrific to get to pick up our conversation again. Uh, We look forward to both of you to to having you on more regularly. Oh, guys, this is such a treat. I can't wait. Abs, Nuggets, we got big runs coming up. And, of course, you got to give a shout-out to our our CU women in the Sweet 16. Absolutely. Tomorrow. time in Colorado sports. It really is. It is a... uh, there's a lot going on. And you know what? In a couple of weeks, we'll be able to talk about the Rockies for a calendar week before they become irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, everything. Speaking of irrelevant. <laughs> oh, it's coming along. Right. Thanks again, we'll Roby. for a week before they fall off the cliff. Yeah, anyway. That's right. Exactly. So, appreciate it. Thanks, uh, guys. It's always great to talk to Romy Bean. We're looking yeah. forward to having her on uh, you know, regularly and, and getting her insights on things. But it, that the, la- the question you asked, uh, that it kind of answers it. She talked about it before. She couldn't recall them splitting coverage on a Broncos Sunday to cover something else, and they did. The, the Nuggets and Avs play on Sundays, you know, at times when the, the Broncos are playing. Still, this is well, the, the reason you split it up. It's that crazy. I, I had the same experience uh, last year doing a Bronco postgame show that was uh, almost entirely devoted to Deion Sanders on the day that Deion Sanders was presented as the new head coach at the University of Colorado. And the other point I want to make, uh, within this story today, uh, there was uh, uh, Deion Sanders' recollection uh, of presenting the AP Coach of the Year Award to Brian Dable. And as they're leaving the stage, now Deion's telling the story. Dable says, you know what, Coach? I've got two or three dogs you'd probably be interested in. These are college prospects that Brian Dable yeah. is telling Deion Sanders about. As Deion Sanders has just presented Brian Dable with Coach of the Year. And I will say this. Everyone Honest. makes the presumption, before we have to go, that, that Deion Sanders is going to be a couple years and then out because he's going to get hired by I'm what? I'm not sure. I'm not convinced of I'm that at sure. all, especially if they I become a, the recruiting a continues to stay the way it is and it becomes a regular top 25 team. And again, we we talked about how much power Sean Payton has. That may pale in comparison with the kind of uh, power oh, I know that it does. Deion Sanders wields up in Boulder. If we want to talk to Sean Payton, we call the Broncos, right? If you want to talk to Deion Sanders, you don't call the university. You do not. You got to talk to Coach Prime's people. That That's tells you the kind exactly. of power he has. It's a different situation. The prime effect. A Denver Broncos receiver. We'll be missing a lot of time in the offseason. We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. There's pigeons down on Market Square. She's standing in her underwear. Looking down from... Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar. Presented by Burnham Wall. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports.
Earlier today, reports on Bronco Land, uh, once more Troy Rank, uh, friend Troy Rank in particular over at Denver 7. KJ Hamler has torn his pec muscle while working out. He requires surgery, will miss four to six months, so that puts him out at the best four months is July 23rd. So we're talking well in we're well into training camp uh, at the very best situation. And like well, we're talking that, September on the outside, right? Right. Uh, well into the regular season yes. before he is going to return. And, you know, that's one of those injuries that you're, at least for me, if that's it's a four to six to months, I'm, I'm thinking close to six months than me four, too. to be honest. KJ Hamler has played 23 out of a total 50 games in his career. Fewer than 50%. Correct. He's missed 27 out of 50 as Nick Kosmider uh, analyzed uh, the possibility of what the Broncos might do in the second wave of free agency. I believe he mentioned DJ Chark. And, still out and I'd say that even if, and I think you would too, even if Hamler had not been injured. Yeah, I don't think this changes. Yesterday we talked a bit about the Broncos looking at trades in that receiver room simply because they are clearly going heavier. They are. You're not going to be seeing this team play a lot of three wide. It's just not going to, it's not the cards. The movement that have been already made makes that abundantly clear. So making a move, I think we laid that out very clearly. If you missed any of it, you can always go to milehighsports.com or the free app and you can download the program from yesterday. But I think we elucidated why not only do they have to make a trade, it needs to be Cortland Sutton. This doesn't change that to my mind in any way at all. As a matter of fact, Sandy, it might further underline its importance. Now yes. you, you need to free up more money. Because you don't know what you got out of KJ Hamler. And, and and I get it. The Broncos are going to assume till the last second. He'll be ready for the regular season. He'll be good to go. You're talking about a guy who's missed more than 50% of the games possible in his career with a series of injuries. Now you have a significant injury. You're, you're talking about a player that developmentally, given the fact that the limited amount of time he's been able to play, is kind of, when you get on the field, slightly better than a rookie. There's simply no no reason. You look at K.J. Hamler and you say, okay, whatever we get out of him is a bonus. And you know what the funny thing is, Sandy? I, and I mean no disrespect to Hamler. That's what I was thinking already. And I'm sure the Broncos probably, Sean Payton probably is too. I, I feel more for Hamler and uh, empathize with his predicament as opposed to being critical of him. Oh, he's hurt is hurt. But I, 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 what are you going to do? And listen, I, I, I wasn't there when he got hurt. I don't know if he was being supervised, but, and, and, and certainly you can sustain this injury at any time in, in a variety of ways. But I can't help but thinking as my initial reaction to this, what a waste. And isn't somebody supervising him if he's lifting weights and he's tearing a pec muscle? He's he's overextending himself. It's it's really it's a shame. It's and tough you to can tell. you can sustain that sort of injury playing football. Sure. I understand that. But it, it seems a waste to me that he would sustain this injury while lifting weights. And he's, he's not a big guy. I know he wants to be strong, but 
Isn't there somebody supervising? I mean, it's un- it's unfortunate, and, and it, it is funny though because you're right. This isn't this how no, and I and I'm with you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick on him because this happens. But isn't Juwan James a couple years ago getting hurt lifting weights on his own? What turned people really against him, saying, "Well, how can you do that away from the team facility? You get hurt away from that. That's that, your that fault." Now, is it established here that he was injured away from the facility and therefore it, it under is, no particular supervision? Uh, it is not, at least under this report from Troy. Uh, it's not only clear. from about a half hour ago, so it's not right. terribly clear at this point. But uh, but I'm just comparing the situations. It's still too bad, even if I he mean, here did it is it on in his March. own. But it, I guess the difference just, would be it would absolve the Broncos of some responsibility for this. However, if he is being supervised and he is injured while under supervision, again, this has been an area of concern among fans, and rightly so, for many years now. And here's another offseason injury that has nothing to do with playing football. Yeah, obviously unfortunate, unfortunate for Handler. For the Broncos, I don't think the situation makes a difference there. I think that you... If the right move is to trade Cortland Sutton, free up the money, you can draft somebody, you can sign somebody. Uh, I I look at it, you brought up DJ Chark. It was very effective for Detroit prior to that, a good receiver in Jacksonville. Yeah, I like him. And if you were to say I all mean, of a again, sudden. he's one of those guys, like Sutton, you plug him in and it's 60 catches, 800 yeah. yards, couple of touchdowns, and you don't have to pay DJ million? Chark. $18.3 million no. in 2020. As a matter of fact, if you go to uh, the folks at SpotTrack who break down what players generally sort of a market value, the market value for Shark, for example, uh, $9 million a year. So half. And if you were to ask me if I would rather have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Tim Patrick with KJ Hamler as a fourth or whoever's fourth, Jalen Virgil, another speedster that I think has some promise last year. Sure. Or if I was going with DJ Shark, Jerry Judy, and Tim Patrick, I think I'd rather have the latter, and it saves the money. So I think this actually underscores the need to make that trade for whatever they can get out of that when they're talking about the Sutton situation. It accelerates the process, and whether they try to fix something in the draft or they like some of the players they got, uh, we shall see. But bad luck, obviously, for K.J. Hamler. It just seems to be a snake bit. And the endless. Pro- and the problem a is string of He's a small guy in a physical sport. And it becomes harder and harder. He, uh, I can understand the desire to lift because sometimes the way to protect from some of those injuries is to try to get a little more bulky. Hopefully you can protect. But there's only so much bulk KJ Hamler could put on. Exactly I mean, we've right. been out there practicing. Exactly he's, he's, right. he's very fast for a reason, and it's not because he's, you know, an enormously you built man. KJ Hamler, you're not thinking he needs to hit the weights. Right. Not necessarily. That's just not what he needs to be focusing on is his skill of speed. And again, I, it's bad luck. I'm not suggesting Hamler did anything wrong whatsoever. It's just unfortunate. It, it just appears it's not in the cards for K.J. Hamler to really establish himself as a as a even a regular on the NFL level, let alone uh, the star the Broncos hoped he might be when they picked him in the second round. So uh, unfortunate there. And I want to go back just to make myself clear in thinking about it. This is one of those dead periods, right, where contact with players I, is strictly forbidden. Except, am for, I except correct? for free agents, if I am not mistaken, you well, are correct. Well, yes, obviously. Yeah. But, but I'm saying you're not allowed to, You're not allowed are, to talk about uh, playbooks and all that. Chances yeah. he was lifting weights on his own. More than likely. Yes, more than likely. That is probably the case. So 
you know, we will find out more as that that story develops. But uh, one way or another, no reason to expect KJ Hamler at least at the beginning of training camp, and realistically, uh, probably not uh, even so. You know, after that, so that uh, really is tough right now for the NFL. You know, we are in the start of the new league year uh, right now. The uh, only thing on the NFL calendar today, by the way is clubs have to submit their list of physician-certified candidates for their extended injury protection report. The annual meeting, by the way, comes uh, next week, which will presumably also give Roger Goodell another giant contract with a a chunk of money. But here you go. Uh, Off-season workouts may begin for clubs that hired a new head coach, which the Broncos would be, Yes, on April 3rd. So and it that is a reasonably educated guess. Formally, that Peyton is allowed to gather with players. Yes, other teams is April seventeenth who have retained their right. coaches. New coaches get uh, obviously a little bit of a two week uh, head start on that. So that would be the next step. So bad luck, obviously, for KJ Hamler. What does that change for the Broncos? In your opinion, of course, the Colorado text line is three zero three eight three one thirteen forty. We want to hear uh, what you think about that as well. You know, does, do, do you think you should? Maybe ease off on the trade. Do you think you should accelerate the trade? I I think they should. Do you think it even matters? Because as it stands today, KJ Hamler is the fourth receiver at best on this roster. And generally, I understand that he is a second round pick. And so there's some expectations. But generally, you're not talking a lot about the fourth string receiver. Oh, no, the fourth string receiver went down. How are we going to salvage our season? That part, I think, is tricky. So it's it really is kind of fascinating to see how that goes. Want to point out real quick that uh, the DU Pioneers underway in the uh, college hockey tournament. Uh, Boston wins earlier today. So Boston, Boston University, yeah, you, yeah uh, BU moves on. The uh, the Terriers beat Western Michigan five to one. DU underway against Cornell. If they were to win that, then that's who they play. Exactly. Keep an eye, of course. For a right to go to the Frozen, Frozen four, 4 in Tampa, I believe, where the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup last summer. So we will keep an eye on that because, uh, obviously, you're talking about a, uh, a pretty interesting situation there. And uh, I am eager. I don't know if it can be determined at this point to see whether Magnus Krona is between the pipes today. For uh, Denver, we may or may not be. Yeah, able we will. To we will uh, see if we can find that out because we know about the injuries there, and that of course makes things a little bit uh, a tricky. The injury with uh, Krona, it's tough to envision them winning the whole thing without Krona in net. I agree, and so I, I agree. But for one you, game, yeah. Matt Davis can handle things. Do you gamble? I would. I mean, I would gamble, and I I think I would play Davis in the hopes that you know you're going to need Krona to win it. You're going to have to trust that that your, uh, your backup can get it done. So, you know, we shall uh, we shall see. So, DU taking on Cornell's who speak. A lot of college. I see a tweet here from oh, great. the DU hockey account saying uh, goalie breakdowns for tonight's starting goaltenders. It is Krona in net for great. the Pios. Okay, so Very I thought good. Krona was good enough so, to get back uh, out there. David Carl's uh, assertion that uh, there was nothing wrong with Krona to the extent that he might miss game action when he was pulled appears to a week ago, almost a week ago, uh, last Friday against Colorado college in the frozen face-off semifinals. Well, good. And as we look at it, as we look at it live, uh, Cornell up one zero scores, the first goal 
Uh, it is only 16 minutes remaining in the first, so in the first four minutes, uh, Cornell so first on the board. We'll see what the Pios do. But, of course, we'll turn our attention a little bit to uh, basketball because the Sweet 16 starts. And remind you, by the way, you don't need to find a pot of gold to strike it rich this March. Instead, win money on your tournament wagers with the friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook features the best teams of odds makers in the business, so they're the safe bet when it comes to sports gambling. You have a direct line to their experienced staff behind the counter right in Las Vegas, and they also have one of the most extensive betting menus around. So no matter what you want to wager on, come tournament time, Superbook is sure to have it. Download the Superbook app and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Take a look at that Sweet 16 and decide who might be ripe for upset next because uh, that's been the theme of the tournament so far. Who's next on the hit list? We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. In about 45 minutes, Sandy, we will have the men's basketball tournament kicking off the Sweet 16. It's the second time I've mixed my metaphors. I talked about touching base with the Broncos and kicking off the Sweet 16. So, I, I don't know. I've had a lot of concussions. Maybe they come up from time to time. Forget what I was doing. But obviously, we'll have the Sweet 16 uh, coming up in just a little bit. And uh, there's a part of me because this tournament's been so good. I understand why they have to overlap. Your start times today, you know, 4.30 Michigan State takes on Kansas State. 5.15 Arkansas-UConn. 7 o'clock Florida-Atlantic-Tennessee. 7.45 Gonzaga-UCLA. So you're not going to be able to to do what you did last weekend or just... uh, Camp your backside in the in the uh, sofa. So basically, we have east in a row. and west tonight. Correct. And uh, tomorrow east and west we have regions. south and midwest. It is uh, there are a couple. I mean, this Gonzaga UCLA game. Fascinating. That's the, the I think nightcap. it might be the be- best one of the uh, eight games. That yeah, will be played. it very well may be a three versus a two. UCLA uh, Gonzaga, your pick to win the whole thing. Yes. UCLA was my preseason pick to win the whole thing. I think losing Clark uh, changes that, but. UCLA has done a nice job sort of riding the ship. Oh, I think so. And figuring the way and around let, it. And let's be honest, Clark is quite valuable, but uh, he's not Haquez and he's not Tiger Campbell. Right. And those are the two key guys, and they are seasoned tournament players. Uh, I watched them both uh, over the last two years in person up in Boulder, and uh, they are extraordinary in their ability to sense what is needed, especially late and close games. And because they like to play slow, they tend to play close games. Uh, Low-scoring games tend to be closer than high-scoring games do. And my theory remains on this game that if it is played in the 50s and 60s, advantage UCLA. If the game is played in the 70s and 80s, advantage Drew Timmy. And Gonzaga. Two teams with a lot of talent that want to play their game entirely differently. Gonzaga wants to run you out of the building, and UCLA likes to just suck your energy out little by little and, again, and these frustrate are, the high-paced uh, teams. The recent vintage Final Four teams, mm-hmm. although neither has been a national champion recently. Right. And, of course, Gonzaga never UCLA. Plenty of national championships, but... Uh, just not recently. It's been a while. Yeah. The, the other one that intrigues me 
is this this opener the starting but the 4:30 start time here in in Denver Michigan State at K State I Michigan like State is a 7 seed K State is a 3 but Michigan State is favored Interesting. in that's, this game that's just the by Tom one Izzo factor against a rookie head coach but that is but I very think the rookie real. head coach has a real feel for this Kansas State team and they got the little guard Norvell and they got Johnson who's a great story had the heart issue right. and, and transferred to Kansas mm-hmm. State and has been a marvelous player for Who do you have in that this one? year. You, you, you like K-State there? I'm never betting against Tom Smart Izzo move. <laughs> in a 50-50 game. Yeah. I, I'm just not going I'm not to either. Uh, there are I'm very few coaches, to. when you look at the total accomplishments, who have, oh, I think you could legitimately say are more dangerous in this tournament to have to match up against. When you're talking about just the coaching matchup alone, I put him in the... Coach K level. I put him at, at that. I put that. I put Izzo in the literally in the in the all time greats for tournament coaching in game. Uh, that's one of the handful of guys that I, I would say is as good as ever done it. And I would dare say that, given what's left in this tournament, he's the best coach left here. Uh, he might very well be. Now I, I'm looking at coaches remaining in this tournament who have won national championships. And I don't see a one. Now, Jim Laranega, a season tournament coach yes. with Miami. Correct. Certainly. Kelvin Sampson, mm-hmm. season tournament coach. Head coach at Houston. I guess who, guess who uh, plays tomorrow? Miami and Houston. Mick Cronin, uh, Mark Few. But they haven't won national championships. And Tom Izzo has. And he's been in plenty of Final Fours. He is almost an automatic to get you to the Sweet 16. Whatever the quality of the team at Michigan State, it seems like Tom it. Izzo is going to win the two games on that first weekend. And he understands, as I think few other coaches do, that the NCAA tournament is a series of three weekend tournaments. Separate entities. First weekend is, of course, the madness, the crazy, the madness, you're, the, 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 crazy the, the, stuff. Yeah, no rest. You're banging everything right. out. Go, go, go. You're playing two games in three days, right. which you're not necessarily used to doing, at least not very often during the season. And then you have uh, the regional, which is a different kind of game, different kind of pressure. Uh, the quality of the opponent supposedly is is greater right and and then obviously you have the final four on the third weekend but i think he prepares his team differently in those three instances i think they prepare differently for uh, the round of 64 and the round of 32 as opposed to the round of 16 elite eight and then finally the final four semifinals and uh, all i think just about all 16 of these teams have a chance at least to get to the championship game. I really do. This is amazing. I, I, I might discount Princeton as a 15 seed, but can Princeton beat Creighton? Yeah. Yes. I think they sure can. Yes, and that game takes place tomorrow. Yeah. I think Princeton can beat Creighton. Absolutely. And remember, Princeton beat a high-scoring Missouri team by 15 points yeah. held in the 63. Yeah. It wasn't uh, it wasn't one they snuck by here. This wasn't the Kansas getting bounced. This, this was... Uh, a, a no, decisive this, win, and 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 again, Missouri as as a seven seed, 
figured they'd be seeing Arizona right. and maybe felt deep down, although they perhaps didn't state this publicly, that, oh, what a break we got. Instead of playing Arizona, seven seed against a two, we're the favorites, seven seed against a 15. They had their moment against Arizona, except Princeton didn't feel that way. Right. Princeton felt that it got a break, not just by beating Arizona, but getting a team against whom they matched up well and they blew them out. And now it's house money. Now it's house money for the for for Princeton, and it is also for Florida Atlantic who plays tonight. So I guess if 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 I'm looking at these four games tonight, Florida Atlantic, the uh, lowest seed, the nine seed against Tennessee, but uh, I'm going to take Michigan State in the early one. Sounds like you are too, or at least yep. you're not going to bet against Izzo. Yes, uh, Arkansas oh, yeah. at UConn. State. I think UConn is a really dangerous. I actually like Arkansas and give Arkansas far better than a puncher's chance in this game. I do too. But I think UConn's the better team and will win. I think UConn, UConn to me is one of four or five teams out of these 16. They all could make the final four, but and and most of them can make the championship game. But in terms of winning it, I think UConn's one of those teams that could win the whole thing. I do too. And it wouldn't shock no anyone i shouldn't and uh, tennessee another four seed taking on florida atlantic tennessee a four and a half point favorite in that that sounds right and i suspect in the uh, win but then again yeah look you FAU, never know because again this is one of those games 50s they've and already 60s. won two games that's tennessee 70s and 80s that's florida atlantic. i get it florida atlantic is now the owls have not had the same level of competition they went thirty three and three. Yeah, and they played in conference <laughs> USA, and th- it's not, which is is not a joke. No, conference. no, one of eleven conferences, by the way, represented in the in the Sweet, in the 16. Sweet Sixteen. I'll yeah. take Tennessee to win that one. Obviously, I I think that's the right one. But again, I think that's that four point sounds about right. I think these are all going to be compelling games. I don't expect a blowout. And then, of course, you get that nightcap of Gonzaga UCLA, which I think is going to be an absolute treat. And I think you nailed it. Uh, I I can't tell you. I will. You tell me what. The final total was between those two teams, and I'll tell you who won the game. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just that no, easy. No, I, I mean, <laughs> it'll end up being 75-73 right, UCLA, and, we'll, yeah, we'll, and we'll, we'll look like know. idiots. But uh, to the extent that we think we know, I, I think that's a reasonable way to to look at this game. And I, I don't, given its druthers, UCLA doesn't want to play a high-scoring no. game. And Gonzaga doesn't want to play a low-scoring, grind-it-out game. In that mid-70s, if that's where that is, you're going to have a great game. That's going to be a war. It will be a treat to watch if those both those teams are in the 70s. I think regardless of the score, it will be a good game to watch. Now, I don't want 45-40 or 50-45 necessarily, but I think a 60-55 game can be very exciting. Um, sure. As exciting in yeah. its own way as an 85-80 to 80 game. So. Why not? One side would prefer 60 to 55, and the other side would prefer 85 to 80. Talk about uh, uh, sites, too. I mean, look at this. You're talking about Madison Square Gardens, the Mecca of basketball, and T-Mobile in Vegas. Yeah. I mean, they've got the show set up. Madison Square Garden is not a frequent venue. It isn't. For the NCAA basketball tournament. Vegas has hosted the Sweet 16. Right. Obviously. Right. So uh, the the ascension like of like Vegas that. as a sports town is all but complete. Uh, once once <laughs> yes. they land, uh, you know, um, 
Uh, spoiler alert. Once they land at the Oakland A's, <laughs> uh, then it will be done. Yeah, it will be done. <laughs> because um, they will have that uh, will be happening uh, in reasonably short order. They, they and will, uh, they will have everything. And covered. then they're 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 good to go. So. Uh, the, the tournament tonight will be a, a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to catching all those games again. And and you get a chance to totally soak it in because the Avs and Nuggets, of course, played last night. They're That's not right. On tonight. Not so on. nothing blocking your uh, college fun. And see if we can root you in. Yes. Down uh, one to nothing in the first period. D-U down, actually, unfortunately, now let me double check that. D was down two to nothing they in the in first trouble. period. They, they are, are in, in big trouble. So yeah. big trouble because uh, Cornell doesn't give up. The much. next goal needs to be Denver's. Or uh, we may be talking about the end of the uh, Pioneers' quest to win their 10th national title. We'll see. We'll keep an eye uh, on that as well. But it is time things hand things off to our friends on Afternoon Drive, Vanilo Piro and Cody Rourke. Thanks so much for uh, watching on either the website or listening on the website or on the app. Thanks to Romy Bean, of course, for joining us. Always great to talk to Romy. Follow her on Twitter, Romy underscore Bean. Danny Bailey is the man in the booth that makes everything work and sound the way it does. Andrew Denmer on the video. If you were watching, by the way, you got to see Michael Malone. You got to see uh, Romy talking about all these situations there. We do a terrific job there as well. So make sure you check it out on MileHighSports.com or the free app. We will be up with a Friday. Wow, this second week already went so fast. Time flies when you're having fun. It's over for us. For Sandy, I'm Sean. This is My Life Sports. Thank you. I put your life-